Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I am your host, Tyson Bryden. Today, I'm very happy to welcome Night Ranger guitarist Brad Gillis. Brad, welcome. How are you doing? Hey. Hey, Tyson, man. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Now, um, before we get to the new Night Ranger album, um, I have to admit, I was I was always familiar with Night Ranger, and, and of course, I listened to Jack Blades and Yan- Damn Yankees. But it wasn't actually until about five years ago that... I started listening to the band more. I had the privilege of seeing the band in Coney Island in New York five years ago with Rick uh, Springfield and the Romantics. Yes, and I remember that. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was an epic night. Um, and at that show, I bought The High Road because I, I loved what you guys did. So I was kind of hooked from there. And then the next album, I absolutely dug uh, Don't Let It Up. So then, of course, I start going in the back catalog and start buying everything. <laughs> yeah, which is cool. So so here we are. We're talking about the new one, which is entitled ATBPO, which stands for And the Band Plays On. Pretty clever. I like that. Um, so, of course, going into the album, uh, bands are always evolving. Kind of what was the mindset in terms of this one inter- compared to previous albums? Well, nothing different. Uh, basically, we put a record out every couple of years, and we've been on Frontiers uh, Frontiers Records label out of Italy for um, quite a while, quite a while, uh, yeah. decade or more. And, uh, you know, we're you know, everybody's sitting around on their down COVID time, and, and we thought, well, why don't we try to put this record together on, in this downtime? So uh, we got together around September, uh, Jack Kelly and I started doing some Zoom calls, and everybody had a few ideas, and we just started, you know, <laughs> on Zoom, yeah. coming up with these ideas, and everybody had like a little tape recorder or their phone to record on, just these general ideas, and we get back together a week later, and go, yeah, yeah, this is cool, yeah, let's do this, and and we embellish off of that, and uh, next thing you know, we had like fourteen or fifteen tunes, and we brought Carrie Kelly, our guitar player, and Eric Levy in, our keyboard player, and they started throwing their two cents in and their their ideas, and uh, with everybody having their own home studios. 
we just started passing around files and, and kind of putting this thing together. Uh, we had Kelly, who lives in the, the Phoenix, Arizona area, had him go into a big studio there and cut the drums to rough, basic tracks that we had, just so we knew the uh, foundation and arrangement of what was going on. So he... Uh, he threw all the drums together and once you get the drums together there's your nucleus to, to get started and get it going so we started passing around tracks and you know it lasted longer than normal usually we do a record in two months or whatever it might be but this one lasted four or five months because yeah we had the luxury of time um which I think kind of helped out because we really honed in on the best songs for this new record and uh but I tell you Tyson, we never got together once, man. Just wow. passing around ideas and just, you know, and then we started getting rough mixes going with our, our buddy uh, Anthony Fox at the helm, uh, getting it all together for us. And and uh, next thing you know, we had a finished record. And I don't know how everybody says it about our new record, but I think it's one of our best records yet, man. I, there's just something about it. That Jack's singing his butt off. He's, he's really... Uh, he really shined on this stuff. And I think, you know, just going back to the original nucleus of this band's foundation of sound, which be, you know, the twin harmonies with Carrie Kelly and I, you know, throwing them throughout the record, and especially on the single breakout. And then, you know, uh, the three-part harmonies where, you know, Jack and Kelly singing, I'm usually on the top or on the bottom. Those guys are, you know, filling out the, the, the root and the, the third above, whatever it may be, minor measure. And, you know, so the three-part harmonies and two... You know, and twin guitars uh, and good songs, and uh, we got a record coming out on Friday, Friday, August sixth. That's awesome. Um, what I mean, you mentioned the guitars. Um, as a, as I was listening to it, I mean, I always I always let, try and focus on what the guitars are doing, but I, I kind of your style's very different from Carrie's. I think. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe you would object to that, but I mean, I listen to it, and you can kind of decipher what. At least I try to decipher what's what on there. Um, who's who? Who's who? Yeah, who's who? You're more. I, I think you're doing more of the bar work on there. I would assume. Is that more? Well, I'm doing all the bar work. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I thought. That, and that's my style. That's what I do. That's how I had to. That's how Tyson. That's how I, I had to create my niche back in the eighties. You know, it's like you know, how are you going to be different? You got you know people coming out that are just prolific, fantastic players and kind of change the game. People like Ian Bay Malmsteen, and then you're great. You know, you're just great players like your George Lynch's and Neil Shawns, and you know, just uh, and I thought, well, how how, how am I going to be different? So it started out with Eddie Van Halen coming out in '78, which blew me away, and. And I started filling away, fiddling around with Wang Bar stuff, Whammy Bar stuff, and Tremolo Bar stuff. You know, bar, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, this guy came out with this new system called Floyd Rose. And uh, he ended up making about 25 uh, really super high-end, non-fine-tuner Floyd Roses. Uh, and I ended up grabbing the third one ever built. Uh, Eddie got the first one. Neil Sean got the second one. And I was actually a nobody, but there was this music store called Don Weir's Music in uh, San Francisco. And someone told me, hey, man, Don Weir's has the third one. So I called him up and said, yep. So I didn't have a lot of money back then, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> But I did have a, a white Les Paul custom. And everybody thought it was crazy, but I traded that Les Paul custom in for an original Floyd Rose and a fret job for my my red guitar that I've been playing my whole career. Everybody thought it was crazy, but I tell you, that same third Floyd Rose ever built a song, my red strat, and I still wow. use it, and, and it's defined my sound. So, um, 
you know, then Floyd went on to make all the, you know, the uh, Germany started making them, Japan started making them, they just put fine tuners on and everything. But I play the originals, and out of the 25 that were built, I probably have a dozen of them. And I, and I got people looking for me whenever somebody finds one, they let me know, and I'll, and I'll grab it. And I put them on all my guitars, you know, the, my rogue guitars and my uh, studio guitars here at home. That's awesome. I mean, I always love, oh, I guess what you would call is the bar, the fluttering that you do with the bar. And that... I love that. I hear that, and I go, "Oh man, I just—it just sounds so cool." And I, yeah, that was that was an accident, Tyson. Uh, I was uh, looking in the mirror, you know, playing some music back, and trying to, you know, you know, when you're young, when you're getting your act together, you know, sometimes you look in the mirror when you're playing guitar, and you try to come up with cool stage moves, you know. Yeah. You, oh, that looks dorky. Oh, that's cool. You know, you spread your legs, you get that stance, you you lower your strap, you know. I was like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm playing through an amp, and I'm playing something back and jamming to it, and. Uh, you know, I thought, I'll just bang on my guitar, you know, and I went bang, and I heard this, what the hell is that? So I turned off my music and just went, banged it again, and I thought, wait a minute, the tremolo bar is shaking. So I flicked the end of the tremolo bar, and went, and I hit another one, and went, well, that's cool, right? So uh, that's how I came up with it, and then, uh, you know, Eddie coming out, he was doing all these uh, harmonic dive bombs, which you hit a harmonica, yeah, go down, and he was using a flavor. So, me trying to be different, I did the opposite. I put the bar all the way down, hit our harmonic, went and shook it. So, the, my last couple notes of my solo and Don't Tell Me, Love Me, you'll hear me do that harmonic whammy bar that's push down to the bottom and bring it up and shake it uh, with my, my my flutter into the big whammy bar, uh, shaking uh, harmonic at the end. So, then in around 1984, uh, Ronnie James Dio was doing this Weird Stars video to benefit, uh, you know, children hunger and stuff. And and uh, man, everybody was there. Every all the guitar players were there. You know, you had A. and Neil and and you know, uh, all, anybody that was happening back then was playing a solo on this seven eight minute song. Yeah. Everybody had like 16 bars, right? So, you know, I'm in with all the the greatest players in rock, you know, doing this thing. And I thought, man, I got to be different. How am I going to stand out with so many notes, you know? Everybody doing that. So I did a, a harmonic whammy part solo, which... Uh, oh, that... I, yeah. I think I know where that part is. That is a cool part, actually. Yeah, if you listen to it, you'll you'll hear that. And that's what I did just to define my distinct, you know, so people knew it was me, basically. And uh, so I incorporated that whole style and all, all my playing and my whole career, basically. And, and it's fun to play live. And, and you know, like, your guitars have to be set up precisely. It's kind of like a, a, a fine-tuned... 12 cylinder Ferrari, man. You gotta, you gotta set these guitars up to be able to do, you know, these crazy things. And uh, but uh, all the pros, you know, set up the way they like it the best, and, and mine works for me. I have to actually. You mentioned that I, I had a robbery. Uh, I've mentioned this a bunch of times on my show, but I had a robbery. I lost four guitars in a robbery uh, two years ago. So I know, right? So anyways, I had a uh, the Charvel uh, Demartini Rat Bomber, and, and uh, it got stolen. Well, I just I got it back uh, about two months ago. At your house? Yeah, it was, it was a robbery in my house. Uh, four guitars, 200 vinyls, power tools, like you name it. It was about 60 grand in 
overall and stuff. So anyways, the only thing I've gotten back is a Charvel guitar. But How'd you get back? Uh, it was in a pawn shop. Yeah, I, a buddy of mine, a uh, guy who's a singer in the band I was in, he was on Marketplace on Facebook, and it showed up. So I sent it to the investigating officer, and he went and got it. And uh, I got it back, which was awesome, which was so awesome. I hate, I, I hate hearing those stories, man. You know, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a collector. I got about 100 guitars now and about 40 amps, and uh, that's my passion. The last 20, 25 years I've been collecting, and my advantage is, you know, traveling around the the country and the world and I go to pawn shops and I go to music stores and I, I actually go to Craigslist of the town I'm in to see if there's anything on there that I might want, you know, yeah. a finish car or something. Yeah. And then I get a hold of them and invite them to the show and have them bring the guitar and next thing you know, I'm digging it home. That's cool, man. <laughs> but, uh, that's awesome. but that's always been my passion, collecting vintage guitars and, and building up guitars. I, yeah. I love doing it. So. Yeah, I mean, um, so you mentioned the setup. I've got to take this in to get set up because I don't do it myself. I take it to somebody because I guess I'm lazy. But <laughs> anyways, so, you know, I mean, yeah, it is what it you is. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, you know, you take it to a luthier and they set it up right. And it's That's perfect. right. You know, I do everything myself. The only thing I do not do is fret work, you know. Right. I let, the, I let the, the pros do the fret work, but I'll, I'll set up stuff, wire stuff up and, and, and intonate and, and all that fun stuff or, you know, diving in a guitar. But, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, then, you know, uh, you know the size. And once it's set up and you start playing, it's like, boom, baby. Exactly. Exactly. So, I, and you mentioned the rebuild. I'm, I'm actually redoing. I had a Charvel Model 4 that I've had since the 80s, and I've got it all in pieces. I've taken, I've sanded it down, and it's going in to get done. I'm going to put a new neck on it, pick up, so it's going to be, it's going to be mint. So, I'm looking forward awesome. to that. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. So, uh, getting back to the album. So the album starts off with Coming For You. Great song. I love Kelly's drumming on this one. It's like, it's right in your face. It's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. will, this, will this one make it into the set? It's great. Uh, I, you know, we're, we're, we just started playing Breakout. We've done it like four times at the last four shows. And we just started getting in the groove playing that one live. And that's a blast. Love playing that one. Yeah. And then, uh, baby, 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 bring it all home to me. That was the second video that came out. So we started playing that as soundcheck. Uh, the last two gigs, getting a handle on that to throw in live. Of course, Can't Afford a Hero is the ballad. And, uh, which I just love that song. I used I used my 57 Stratocaster through a 1965 Blackface Deluxe Reverb band to get that classic nice. sound, you know. Um, but, uh, and we're trying to figure out if we want to throw that one in. But, you know, I mean, what do you <laughs> There's so many songs, and that's why I yeah, asked. Do I mean, do? why do you guys do that? I mean, what is it, 13 albums, I think it is, that you guys have done? Yeah. Something well, like that. We like creating and uh, like putting out records. It keeps us fresh, keeps us busy. Um, you know, as long as, you know, everybody knows that rock is pretty much dead on radio unless you listen to classic rock and then you listen to the same old hits that made rock and roll. But, uh, you know, getting airplay for this stuff is very rare in the States. Uh, certain stations will pick it up and play it. Uh, some certain serious radio stations will play it. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, we got a big... Nice big core fan base, and uh, they're buying our records and and loving it, and and um, yeah, just we're all excited for this new release uh, Friday the sixth. Man, it's exciting. Well, and speaking of that, this is also being released on vinyl. 
but yeah. um, not through Frontiers. It's available through NewberryComics.com. Um, I actually I ordered it this morning, believe it or not, and it was. Hey, I want one. I, <laughs> well, when I tell you how much how much it was Canadian, it would it was like sixty five dollars Canadian. Okay. Uh, after the shipping, but you know what? It's worth it, and it's in uh, what is there only two hundred copies or something like that? I think. Yeah, and they all. I don't know. Yeah, everything seems to be selling out from what I'm hearing. I mean, uh, you know, it's just we got a great fan base, and they love all this eclectic, you know, release things that we're doing, and and uh, you know, colored vinyls and and special editions, and a lot of people order the. The Japanese copy because it'll have a different bonus track than the American copy. You know, it's just it's it's, it's just great to have fans that uh, kind of go after that stuff. You know? Yeah. No, it's, I'm excited to get it. I can't wait for it. It'll probably be a while. Um, I don't know if it's actually on time. There's been a bunch of stuff I've ordered vinyl wise that is taking forever because of backup um, at the pressing plant. So. Right. So it is what it is. But you just you just wait. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. It'll be there soon. Exactly. And you mentioned the Japanese thing. I just picked up a mint condition copy of Seven Wishes from Japan in a in a used yeah. record shop. And wow. Yeah. Here, there it is. There. Hey, looky there. Yeah. Wow. Someone has a sleeve on it. Well, no, that's a that's a custom sleeve. I can tell. Yeah. No OBI with oh, it. That's a Japanese sleeve. There you go. Yeah, it's Japanese. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Now, all, you, all you need now, Tyson, is a record player. I have one. I have one. We're okay. I've, I've played it. it. It plays great. Sounds good. I just I wanted to ask you about that cover, because every time I look at it, was there an actual plane? Did you guys actually sit in a plane? Oh, yeah. We were actually in the plane when we did that. And uh, it was a, uh, uh, we were at the Chino Airport in California, where they had all these old bombers. Uh, you know, just sitting out in a, a big field, you know. So we just picked one, went in, and cool. had the photographer up on the ladder, I think. And uh, God, it was so long ago, but uh, taking all these pictures, and uh, that, that was the cover, you know. Yeah, well, it, it kind of looks like you guys are actually in the plane because you're, you know, that'd be hard to. I mean, this is before the days of of uh, Photoshop, Photoshop, right? So no, we're in the plane. You're in the plane. That's cool. That's cool. Did it actually say Seven Wishes on the side of the plane, or did they paint that on after? Oh, uh, we had we had that put on. Cool. We had that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Because that was the name of one of our songs, and uh, and we wanted to embellish on that idea, and so we they they threw that on the plane after the fact, and uh, in fact, wow, yeah, we throw that song Seven Wishes in the set once in a while. It's kind of got a nice little groove thing with Kelly Strong's and stuff. So, you know, we like to throw different things in. Uh, you know, Eddie's coming out tonight and Touch of Madness and all these uh, rumors in the air, these songs that, you know, aren't, weren't big hits, but you know, songs you guys like. Yeah, the songs that we like. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure the fans like them, but I'm sure the fan, the fans like to hear that stuff. But I'm sure, do you like? Do you still get excited? You're like, oh, I get to, we're gonna do this song tonight. This is awesome. I haven't played this one in a long time. This, this will be fun. Oh yeah, you know, we just make sure uh, during sound check we're gonna change up the set. We go over something that we maybe we hadn't gone over for a while. Just make sure we're on top of it and everybody's on the same musical page. <laughs> Arrangement-wise, make sure you remember the tune. But, you know, I mean, uh, we've got a great band. Everybody's really on top of this stuff. And uh, basically, they, uh, 
you know, uh, Carrie and Eric are great, man. Those guys, uh, what a great two extra guys, uh, not original, that round out this band, you know. And the nucleus has always been kind of Kelly, Jack, and I, because uh, we morphed from the band uh, Rubicon back in the late 70s and uh, uh, then started Ranger and, uh, you know, and then... Uh, then that turned into Night Ranger. There was there was a country band called the Rangers, and right before we released our record, Dawn Patrol, yeah. uh, I opened a Billboard magazine that was in the studio, two-page ad in the middle of Billboard, 20-year anniversary of the Rangers. Country band, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I look at Jack, I go, look at this, and he goes, holy crap, are you <laughs> kidding me? So they had already printed 30,000 album jackets. No. Ranger on it. Yeah. So... So we changed it to Night Ranger, and they actually put like stickers on the top of the record for I don't know how many really. Try finding one of those; that would be rare. Um, yeah. But then they uh, once they sold out of those, uh, they uh, started printing up the Night Ranger ones. But man, that that record uh, it's probably by now gone double platinum. I mean, you know, and, and Midnight Madness, the second record. I mean, that's got us up to like four or five million so far. There you go. There it but, is. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and, and our de- with our downloads and everything, and uh, I don't know, they're touting it as, you know, over a billion streams, uh, uh, <laughs> over 17 million records sold, over 3,000 live shows, yada, yada. But uh, when you think about it, our 40 year career, which will be 40 years from our first release uh, next year, which we're going to go out as our 40 year anniversary tour. Um, We've done a lot. I mean, and we're still together, which is pretty rare for bands That's amazing. together for four years. That's amazing. And I mean, you're you're talking about Kerry uh, Kelly. I mean, I remember seeing him with Alice Cooper, and you know, oh, yeah. thinking, yeah, and thinking, oh man, he's so good. And then when he joined Night Ranger, I was like, okay, that's perfect, man. That's awesome. He's such a good yeah, player. He's a great guy. Always got a positive attitude. He owns a couple of restaurants in Las Vegas called Aces and Ales. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the great high-end restaurants with craft beer and stuff, and and uh, you know basically we're playing Vegas here on the uh, the twenty first, twenty second, whatever, in a couple of weeks, and we're gonna go hang out on our Friday night off uh, to Aces and Ales and hang out with Carrie, have some good food, and just kind of have a little fun, a little Friday night, uh, and then play on Saturday. So. Yeah, we got so much coming up, Tyson. We got the Kiss Cruise coming up over Halloween. We got Summer Fest, huge, big festival. We just did Rock Fest in Kadat, Wisconsin, with Hailstorm. And, you know, like twenty-seven thousand people. Uh, you know, Monsters on the Mountain coming up. Uh, we're opening for Guns and Roses next summer in Sweden, the Sweden Rock Festival. Uh, we got this and that, you know, and the stuff just keeps coming in. Uh, hopefully, the uh, Delta variant is going to shut us down. But uh, well, let's hope you know, not, right? Just keep uh, fingers crossed. So you guys are going to be busy this year, it sounds like, and into the next year. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely busy and uh, trying to keep things moving, and now things are opening up, and all these shows are coming in. And, uh, you know, hopefully things won't get shut down. But, uh, yeah, it's exciting because having that 16 months off was pretty tough, but we went in and did a record. Yeah. You know, that's how we kept ourselves busy. And, uh, yeah. You mentioned... um, that you guys never got together. Was that the first time you had ever done an album like that where you guys did not see each other at all? Oh, yeah. First time ever, yeah. All, uh, all the other times, uh, Jack was living here in the uh, Northern California where I live in the Bay Area. He was kind of up north in the Santa Rosa area, about an hour north, and had this great, big, great studio. 
Uh, and we just, I just commute up there and hang out for a couple of days and everybody fly in from their prospective homes and wherever they live. And we just sit in there and do a record of Jackson. The cool thing was it's free, you know, we're just, you know, uh, we're not paying that, you know, studio time, you know, studio time these days. I mean, back in the day, it was still a thousand, fifteen hundred a day for a studio. And so we're doing records for free basically. And, uh, uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of the way to do it. Then you have the luxury of time, you know? And this record, we had the luxury of time, so uh, yeah, worked out well. I like the cover too; it looks good with the road case and the. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah. Kelly just did a drum head with that same logo on it, so now it's all oh, cool. Oh, that'll look awesome. Well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, oh, hopefully, I can get across the border at some point because our borders. I think it's open, but it's it's very it's touchy. So yeah, I don't know, man. But uh, when things do. Uh, we're going to go everywhere. In fact, uh, you know, we want to get back over to Europe. Oh, we just booked Japan. Nice. Japan's always been great for us. Uh, we've, uh, last time we were there, which was a couple years ago, uh, you know, we were told by the Japanese fans that know everything that, oh, this is your 53rd show and your 13th Japanese tour. And, really? and you know, okay, that we... We did three Tokyo shows, all three sold out, about 4,000 people a night, and went to go to Osaka, to Goyo, Fukuoka, and it's just a, Japan is such a great place. That's amazing. I went, first time I went over there was with my father, he was a pilot, and he took my brother, my older brother, and me over there, and dropped us off in Tokyo, my dad took off to do some uh, Asian runs, uh, flying, and... My brother and I went to the Honda, fact, Honda factory, went to uh, Mount Fuji, and rolled, uh, went to the, did the bullet train, and just amazing. And then I went over with Ozzy when I did my stint with Ozzy and, yeah. in 1982. We went to Japan, and then as soon as Night Ranger got signed in 83, went right back to Japan. And, and so it's been a great place for us to, uh, to perform and hang out and enjoy their culture. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I, could, I mean, I could ask you a million questions, but I mean, we're limited for time. So I just want to thank you for joining me today. It was really a pleasure, Brad. My pleasure, Tyson. Thanks for having me, man. I look forward to that new record and yes. the band played on. And uh, right on. and hopefully we'll be uh, all over the country uh, playing in any and everybody's town. So we're excited about that. Awesome. That's great. Okay. Well, thank right. you very much. Have a good one. Thank, thank you, man. Take, take care. care.